Working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is drummer Rob Mount. At the age of seven, Rob started studying percussion at the Hochstein School of Music in his hometown of Rochester, New York. During his high school years, Rob studied percussion at the Eastman School of Music and continued his music education at Nazareth College. Through all of these years, Rob participated in various concert bands and percussion ensembles. While Rob is schooled in percussion, he is entirely self-taught on the drum set. Throughout the 90s and 2000s, Rob was in high demand recording and performing live with various artists like Court Jester, Ramrod, Thickest Thieves, and Metal Blade recording artist Liege Lord. Also during this time, Rob played three tracks on fellow Lou Graham bandmate Michael Sterto's CD, Oxygen, currently available on iTunes and Amazon. Prior to joining Lou Graham's band officially, Rob had performed many drum duties for him, including recording drum tracks for several Foreigner songs to be used for promotional purposes, as well as filling in for shows and practice when needed by Lou. These days, Rob has been touring North America for some time now as Lou's permanent drummer. To find out more about this episode and all the episodes that we have, you can find us at WorkingDrummer.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can subscribe to this podcast by going to iTunes. And while you're there, leave a rating and review. This always helps us grow. If you enjoy what you hear on Working Drummer Podcast, there is a way that you can help. Patreon.com slash Working Drummer is the place where you can go and you can donate any amount that's good for you. A dollar, five dollars, any amount helps, and with those corresponding amounts come different rewards, stickers, t-shirts, an opportunity to take a private online lesson from one of our past guests that include Ben Caesar and Carter McLean. You can also have an episode that focuses on you. You can find that all at patreon.com slash working drummer. I'd like to introduce you all to Crush Drums by telling you about one of their new lines. They are offering a brand new birch kit called the Sublime Birch Series. The Sublime Birch is 100% North American birch. Here's Crush's own Terry Platt talking about some of the cool features of the Sublime Birch Series. One thing that Crush has always done is on our 14-inch floor toms, we do a 14 by 13. It's got the fullness and depth of a 14 by 14 tom, but you can also, tuning range-wise, manipulate it to sound more like a 14 by 12 for the guys that, that enjoy that tone as well. It also includes the hoop saver claws that we developed where we actually have the rubber grommet under the claw protruding through the front of the claw. So if somebody grabs their drum set and sets it down, say, on concrete, you know, claw side down, it doesn't scratch up everything. And here's one of my favorite things about what Crush is doing. The bearing edges are cut a little more specifically for the drums. Our standard edge is a, you know, kind of a double 45, and the outside is rounded over so you get some more head contact with the shell. On the bass drum, you'll notice that the resonant side is even rounder than that. And then the uh, batter side's going to be a little bit sharper. Just so you get that nice snap out of the kick, but the resonant head really brings the whole shell into the equation of the tone. You can also find a link to the new Sublime Birch series in our show notes and see the beautiful finishes and configurations they offer. In the near future, we've got much more to share in regard to Crush Drums and this dynamic company. For now, check out Crush Drums at crushdrum.com. So 
So let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Rob Mount. There's a cruise that we're doing in a couple of weeks, and uh, we're going to be playing with uh, Lover Boys on the cruise and Rick Springfield is also on the cruise, and I can't remember off the top of my head um, the other guys that are on it. But, you know, it's a, you know, those things are becoming really popular these days. And uh, so, you know, looking forward to it because I've never been on a cruise, so it should be cool. Yeah, yeah. I- I spent, man, I, I, I spent so much time on and off cruise ships um, oh, a little over a year ago. It's all, it's all I was doing with this band as guest artists. And, and it's, it's pretty amazing when you, when, to, you know, the first, you know, half dozen times you do it. Um, and then, then there's a, like, like with anything, you know, there's too much of a good thing. But I think you'll have a lot of fun. Uh, do you know where you're going? Um, well, we're not going to do, unfortunately, we're not on the whole cruise. We're going to fly down to Jamaica, uh-huh. I believe, and uh, get on the boat uh, the next morning. We're going to fly down, get on the boat. We're doing a show um, the next day, which will be on, I think, the uh, 18th. Then we do another show on the 19th, and then uh, we leave and come home. So to be honest with you, off the top of my head, I don't know if we're actually going to be on a lot of, you know, port, any port of calls or whatever, whatever they say it. So, um, but you know, should be cool, you know, be, yeah. Uh, yeah. be fun to see the guys in Loverboy. We just did a show with them at the end of the year last year and they're very nice guys. So it'd be cool to catch up with them and have some fun. That's awesome. I wanted to make sure that uh, I mentioned to our listeners, you have done a, an interview uh, with uh, our uh, our family of podcasts, I guess you, you could say, uh, another podcast called Drummers I Like, and uh, they give a great uh, detailed history uh, of you and uh, and how the, the gig came about uh, of working with, with Lou Graham. Um, but uh, while we're on that subject... Just just while we're kind of hanging on on that gig with Lou, um, remind us real quick of how how that came about. Okay, well, long long story short is um, back. I would say in the early two thousands, um, I, along with our guitar player, um, had uh, formed a, a foreigner tribute band for the sole purpose of doing a big benefit that Lou was doing with his prior band of foreigner. It was a band called Black Sheep and it was a big cancer benefit. We put together a band ourselves to go out and play foreigner music and and then Lou's old band, you know, headlined the night. And the cool thing is we all played Lou's old drum set because Lou originally was a drummer growing up and in, in Black Sheep before he was the singer, he was actually the drummer. Yeah. So yeah. So we, we we did the show, went well, we had enough fun where we decided to just keep doing it. And at one point, Lou's nephew, Ben, or uh, uh, Peter, who was his brother Ben's son, Ben was Lou's drummer before I joined the band. So anyways, Lou's nephew was the singer in the band, and... Lou at one point would uh, come down and practice with us, and we did another benefit with him singing part of the show, um, and that was pretty cool, you know. And, and we had a great time, and you know, uh, at one point I remember Lou turning back at me and pointing to me when I was like, you know, going off a little at the end of a song, going nuts or whatever, and finished whatever song it was. And he, you know, he said like, "That's awesome," or at least that's mm-hmm. what it looked like he was <laughs> saying to me. So yeah. I was like, "Oh, cool," you know. 
so anyways, after that band kind of uh, ended, our, our keyboard player went on to be in Lou's band. When Lou went solo in about 2004, he took our keyboard player. And then over time, um, guys started getting weeded out. You know, he had two brothers in the band. Uh, they, over time, had left, and the guitar player even had left. And so all the guys that were in the Foreigner Tribute Band Actually, we're the ones that started filtering in as Lou replaced guys. Yeah. Prior to me joining the band, um, however, um, you know, when Lou's brother, who lived in New York City, um, his brother Ben, who was the drummer for many years, uh, he couldn't practice. You know, hey, we're practicing for whatever it was. I don't remember. Do you, you know, they call me and say, do you want to come yeah. down to Lou's studio and do you want to practice? I'm like, okay, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to ask me twice, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and then, uh, you know, then I get a call, hey, you know, we're going to record some old foreigner songs because Lou can't use the original right. recordings. That's, that's um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, you know, and, and so it went like that. And then finally, uh, I get a call on the 4th of July, uh, right before the 4th of July weekend in 2009, and Lou's brother, uh, Ben, had gone down ill and ended up actually in a hospital. And this is like three days before their show. And I get a call and say, hey, hey, you know, you know, <laughs> can you do the gig? You know, and, and me and my wife at that time, we had a trip planned out. We were leaving uh, to go to Boston for the for the holiday with our kids who were small at the time. And initially I turned it down because I, I figured she'd kill me, you know, <laughs> and it ruined the vacation. And, you know what I mean? I'm like, but then I started thinking about it. I'm like, what are you doing, you idiot? You know, you, you, we'll figure out the vacation business. This is, you know, how many times is Lou Graham going to be calling up and saying, hey, you want, you know, we need you. Right. And uh, so I called back up. It was Andy, the keyboard player, called me. I called him back up and I said, you know what? count me and I'm doing it. And, uh, and so I did it, you know, and Max wife drove the kids all by herself to Boston. And when, when I was done with the show, instead of flying home, I flew to Boston and, and met up and finished off the vacation with them. So, but, but was that the beginning? So anyways, that wasn't the beginning of the end of that marriage, was it? That wasn't the, that uh, was the, <laughs> well, well, the marriage did go down within a year after that, but I don't think it had anything to do with it. I think it had to do, that wasn't it, that wasn't it. You remember that time that you took that it. gig? Damn you, Rob. Well, <laughs> uh, it had nothing to do with that, but, uh, you know, so I did a few things with Lou before actually the call finally came to, to join the band as, as the drummer, you know, I had prior experience and I knew everybody. I mean, all the guys, like I said, everybody I played with in that Horner tribute band had, but had joined by that time. You know what I mean? So it was right. kind of a, and, and you, that, and that, and that seems like somewhat of an advantage, almost like, uh, uh, what's his name? Who sings with journey. Now he was in a tribute band right. and, and probably came in and it's like, well, yeah, I've been doing these songs. I know them. Uh, there's obviously, there's going to be some endings and maybe some arrangements. And from what I understand, there are some uh, different songs that Lou did that you didn't do in the tribute. Um, but right. I'm sure that once uh, once that was uh, learned, it, that was quite a smooth transition. I knew 90% of what they were doing. And, uh, you know, I got copies of some shows to learn, you know, some arrangements and, and some endings. Mm-hmm. And my... My method of learning stuff, when everybody asks me to, to do recordings or play gigs or whatever, I mean, everybody's got their own way of doing it. But for me, the first thing I do 
is I just listen to it over and over and over again. Even when I go to bed, I put the, the earbuds on and I play it while I'm sleeping. I play it when I'm in the car, you know, I just mm-hmm. burn it into my brain. So it's eventually subconscious. And then if I got to write some notes out or something like that, which, you know, I did for that, that sub gig for Lou, I, I, was walking around the entire town trying to find some paper and a marker to write notes with. I should have did it before I left and got on the plane, but I waited till I got there and I ended up in a liquor store after three hours of walking around town finding I found a pad of paper and some Spider Man colored markers. <laughs> That's all they had. Yeah. Like, you know, you got to make it whatever. work, man. You got to make it. It's like uh, the important lyrics, you know, on a, on a bar napkin. Yeah. You know, hey, maybe those charts will end up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You never know. <laughs> I still have them somewhere, but... <laughs> well, let me ask you, have you ever done a session where you've walked in and there and you didn't know the song, and so you had to come up with something right away? Well, yeah, but, uh, you know, well, kind of, kind of, yeah, no. Like, any, any recording session I've done, um, most of them, I get some sort of form of the music first, mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of times they'll already have a drum machine part that they'll say, just, you know, kind of go by this, yeah. and then take it from there. Okay. And um, a perfect example of that, and uh, I might have mentioned it before on that Drummers I Like podcast, but mm-hmm. anyways, uh, there was a record I did in the mid-90s, and it was for a band called Thick as Thieves, and they had a deal pending in Japan, uh, but the guy... Um, David Chastain, who, who kind of in the Midwest was very famous for having his own record label, sort of like a Midwest Mike Varney kind of guitar guy. And uh, he had a deal for the band, uh, but they used a drum machine. And, you know, it sounded good for the drum machine, but he's like, I, I can get you a deal if you get me a real drummer on the recordings. And uh, so I got a call uh, from this guy, John Hahn, who is an incredible good incredible guitar player who was in Mike Varney's spotlight column, actually. And he called me up and said, Hey, I need a drummer. Yeah. Um, we got a record coming out. Do you want to do it? You know, and who turns that stuff down? And, right. and so he sent me the CD with a, with the whole record with the drum machine. And, um, so what I always do, I sit down and listen to it and learned it. I drove down to Pennsylvania where he was located and I recorded the whole record in two days. That's awesome. And, um, but, you know, the weird thing is, as is, is all of us drummers know, we're usually the first ones that record. You yeah, know what I mean? And everybody right. builds on us. Right. Well, guess what? <laughs> I was the last one to record. Yeah, yeah, that can be a challenge. I mean, sometimes it's like, well, it's it's clear, it's cut and dry, because a big part of recording is, I mean, there's two aspects of it, or two major aspects, maybe I should safely say, is that there's the performance and then there's the creativity. Uh, and, and, and if arrangements get changed, and, and not that the, the creativity part wasn't a part of this, but I imagine that you were clued in in a big way with the drum machine to be able right. to kind of like check that out. I mean, and for me, I, it's like, cool, that is done for me. You know, I, I don't have to worry about that. It's, uh, it, it's kind of directed and you can, you can concentrate on your feel, uh, which by the way, it, it sounds solid and great. I've heard some of those tracks on that record. Oh, cool. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you're right. In that instance, anyways, the record was done. He just needed me to more or less execute what was there, but with my own personality. I'm not, I wasn't there to rewrite history. I was there to kind of just put a human feel more or less to what 
was there. Mm-hmm. In the in other sessions I've done, um, you know, I'll get a drum machine part and they'll say, you know, let's go record this and just use this as a guide. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then I'm allowed to kind of make up my own stuff or maybe even change something or whatever. I could sit there and go, well, you know, since it, since the record hasn't started, we could sit there and change anything we, we want, you know? Right, right. Where with, where with that thing, it, it was a done deal. It was a record. It was trying to be shopped already, and they just wanted real drums on it. So, you know, there wasn't much to to put in there. But, you know, I listened to it. I'm like, well, I really wouldn't do too much to this anyways. He did a great job programming what was there. So, Well, let me ask you, in, in, in this, in the genre of, and how would you categorize uh, most of the, re- most of the records that you've done? And that maybe this one in particular, if you dare. Well, <laughs> yeah. well I mean, I'm not going to, I'm definitely a rock drummer, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of rock or, you know, some of the stuff um, that I've done in, in, in the band prior to that was a lot more heavier and, and, and more metal for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'm not going to sit there and come across like, to, I'm going to pretend I'm a jazz drummer or I'm certainly that, that, you know, I would love to be able to play that stuff, but I'm, you know, that's definitely not me. So, um, you know, that's my style is, is always been rock and whether it's on, you know, kind of a Bon Jovi-ish band that, that mm-hmm. I used to be in in the early 90s versus uh, a Pantera. Like I went from a band that played music that was very Bon Jovi-ish, very commercial, to the next band within a couple of years. You know, it was like Pantera, you know? So, wow. And that and that requires that requires definitely diff- that uh, lots of different a different approach a different tone um, to yeah. what you're doing. Uh, I think where I'm, where I'm going with this is say like in the genre of heavy rock, are people using drum machines a lot before you go in? Is that a common thing? Has that been a common well, thing for you? Or what's your what's your experience with that? I, you know, for that, uh, let's take the band that that I that was really heavy. It was a band called Ramrod, and um, you know, the two guys that were kind of spearheading that had been in heavier bands before. One was in Anvil, which was a famous Canadian metal band. The other was in a band called Liege Lord, who had some mild success. And together, they grew up together here in Rochester, where I'm from, and they're like, here's the idea of what we're going for, and we've got these riffs. Now, I don't remember those guys ever having anything recorded with a drum machine. Okay. Had. We're going okay. we're going back into, like, 93, so it's probably, like, talk 20 years ago or so. And so the cool thing about that type of music, though, and, and, and heavier stuff, mm-hmm. is when it's based around riffs and that kind of stuff, there's there's a lot of rhythm in the car parts. If you listen to a band like Megadeth or Overkill uh-huh. or those types of bands, yeah. the, the guitar parts are so tight and precise and rhythmic. Um, and, and the drumming has to be too, or it turns into a disaster. It's a mess. If it, okay. You know, if you're not all tied together. Yes. But when they said, here's some songs we've got, this is what we got going. It, it kind of came natural to me what to play to that. You know, they didn't have to tell me too much. It was like if I hear a riff that goes, okay, there's there's the kick drum part, you know, that's what I would do. It just, you know, so that's how that went anyway. So this is, I mean, this is kind of a genre that I'm have less experience with in playing. I mean, I'm a. I grew up a huge Rush fan, and I read everything about them, and their, their compositional approach 
involved drum machines and those kinds of things. And I know that Rush is one of those bands that kind of bridges the divide uh, between many genres. And so you have like metal fans that also like Rush and you have prog rock fans that that Rush is a part of that. Um, I, I mean, yep. you have songwriters and, you know, uh, jazz musicians that love Rush. So, I mean, they, they cross so many. But so I'm always curious. It's like, well, what's the and a lot of the work that I do here in Nashville is singer songwriter and and there's a different I, I notice is such a different role and I'm 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 really fascinated what the role the drummers that a drummer plays with that kind of music and I, you described it perfectly the, because of that guitar and the bass and that that riff is so rhythmic and so tight and and just the fact that you've got to be you got to be tight with that stuff there's no loosey goosey <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. You know, and a lot of people put put that type of music down. Oh, it's too heavy. Or guys are just screaming, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever they want to yeah. say about it. But yeah. I'd like to see those guys go try and play it as precise as as Overkill or a yep. Pantera or Megad. I mean, yep. how, you know, I'd like to see somebody, a guitar player, go down pick all those notes, not alternate up and down. Yeah. I want to see you play it like Scott Ian from Anthrax, down pick all that yeah. stuff, tight yeah. as hell. Mm-hmm. You know, and most guys can't play that way. You know, so yeah. it, it was good. It was good. It was it was a great learning experience for me to play that stuff because I had I had never played that stuff in a band, and and I really wasn't exposed to the really heavy stuff until. You know, I, I met up with those guys, and they turned me on to it. And at first, when I heard the first, uh, one of the first things they played for me was Megadeth's Rust in Peace album, which at this point for me is one of the best metal records of all time. But it, at that time, with them hearing, you know, kind of melodic hard rock, your Bon Jovi's, your, you know, whatever's. And I hadn't heard a dry drum sound like that on that Megadeth record. They blew me away. I'm like, man, these drums sound terrible. There's no reverb on them. And I didn't get it, you know. I, mm-hmm. I just... I didn't get it until, I mean, eventually I did, but at that point it blew my mind. And, you know, I learned how to play it. I, I it, it taught me how to be a better drummer in a different world that I hadn't done either, you yeah. know? So, yeah. yeah. I, I think any, any genre that people hitch their wagon to and say, this is, this is it, man, this is the thing. And, and anything else isn't going to be as cool. And I, I think that just comes with maturity. You really have to keep your mind open, even maybe if it's yeah. not your gig or maybe it's not your direction, man, I, yep. you know, it's like, I, I have learned to appreciate things that, uh, I, that I've been introduced that are new to me that I don't understand because it's a, then it becomes a learning experience not because I'm going to be called upon to do it because if I got called to do those records that you, you did I'd be like I'm not your guy but I know somebody who <laughs> right? can um, but, I, but I can appreciate it. and like I said I, I, the, listening to the, the stuff that you do with double bass is amazing and I have a double pedal and I've messed around with it in the privacy of my home but I would never <laughs> I would never dare take that out because I know yeah. I know better um, I, I have my strengths and, and to, to, to focus on that but I am not afraid to expose myself to something that uh, is out of my wheelhouse uh, to better the, the thing right. that, you know 
For sure. Well, I'll tell you, a couple of things mm-hmm. um, that come to mind. A, number one, you never stop learning. Yes. So for those people who think they know it all, and you, and usually it's the younger guys. We all thought we knew it all when we were 21 years old. You know, nobody could tell a thing. And that's not just music. That's just in life. You know, you Every, you're know, right, right. You know, I know it all. Well, guess what? I'm 50. And, and the, the cliche is true. The more... The older you get, the more you realize you don't know. And, you know, I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. And it isn't just music stuff. It's just every kind of thing. Because in music, especially in everything, you know, you, you can't hold on to one set of values your entire life. And if you do, I really feel bad for you because you're you're missing out on so much. You know, somebody could call along and offer you new information about something you thought you knew. Yeah. And if you're not mature enough to say, you know what, you're right and I'm wrong, you're never going to get very far. You're going to live in your own little bubble for the rest of your life. And in music, whether you whether you use the information or not, at least it's in your subconscious. So you might have heard me play some of that stuff with double bass, and maybe you'll you'll incorporate it. Maybe you won't, but somewhere in the back of your head, it's there. You know what I mean? And right, right. You know, it just it, it just grows with you. It's going to find its way. It just kind of. Yeah, you never know. It may or may not, but at least you're open to listening to it because I don't listen to the same stuff I listened to when I was 20. I mean, some of it I do, but, you know, I don't eat the same foods necessarily I did when I was 20 either. You know, you just got to move on. You're not you know? eating Chicken McNuggets so. anymore? You're not eating. <laughs> no, I try not to eat junk. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That you can get away with when you're 20. So this leads me to a question I had uh, lined up for you. Uh, um, you know, we all had our influences. I know some of your influences uh, Tommy Aldridge, uh, Bonham, Peart, uh, uh, Peter Chris, Steve Gadd, Steve Smith. Where or who do you draw inspiration from these days? Is there anything or anybody on your radar that's been helping you to continue that learning process? Well, i got to be honest with you. I don't listen to a lot of of newer music. I mean, Mm -hmm. there there have been drummers along the way since I've, you know, since those guys that you mentioned who I still listen to all the time. And, and, you know, you can always go back and pick up on something you missed 20 years ago that they did. So I can still learn something, you know, from Tommy Aldridge that I might've missed a long time ago, but no, there's been guys like, you know, um, one guy that pops to my mind that's been on my radar for, for a while, but not incredibly long period of time is, is, you know, like a guy like Ray Lugier or some, you know, some guy like that, who's, who's, who's a monster drummer who's got chops galore and, you know, I can't do half of what he's doing, but I love watching him play and, and yeah. listening to some stuff he does. I'm not a big corn fan, but the other mm-hmm. stuff he's done I liked. So, yeah. again, you know, just some some of these guys filter their way through. And, and, you know, like I said, you may not use it. You may never, you know, borrow from it or whatever, or you might. But at least it's somebody there in the back of your head. Yeah. So, you know, I can't really say I listen to a lot of new music because I'm not, not really my thing, but... You never know. I know I can listen to a dance drum beat or something and learn something off that. For all I know, you know. Is there anything non-musical that you find yourself? It's like, man, this is kind of giving me some new perspective on 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 life in general, or maybe just uh, dealing with different things. Yeah, that's a great question. Nobody's asked me that before, and uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely because. Um, 
uh, over the last few years, in, in addition to, you know, kind of uh, opened my eyes to, to being out with Lou and, mm-hmm. you know, being in a level of, of uh, the music business that I hadn't before. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, I mean, I've always been a guy that just doesn't, you know, along with the status quo. I'm always out learning, trying to open my eyes to new possibilities of things. Um, and it's why I read a lot. I read a lot of books. I mean, to the point where it drives my wife crazy. <laughs> She'll be sitting there watching something. I, I, I'm not even looking at it. I'm reading a book about something. But uh, let's just say, you know, without going down a rabbit hole, you know, I don't necessarily <laughs> go down in a, in a drum podcast, but just a lot of books about what's really going on behind the scenes in, in the world and behind certain events that have happened. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying I have the answers for what it is, but mm-hmm. I, I, my advice to people is to take what anybody tells you, including myself, and take it with a grain of salt and go out and investigate it for your own and come to your own conclusions. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, I draw a lot of inspiration for reading. Uh, there's a great book that I picked up on uh, called Four Agreements, which is uh, a great book for, like, just opening your eyes to certain types of uh, wisdom and, and thought processes and, and just thinking about how we pattern ourselves and, and put ourselves into certain behaviors and certain punishments for certain actions that, yeah. you know, that other you know, like, let's say you do something wrong and you, you keep thinking about it. And you keep beating yourself up about it. And it, it, that happened five years ago in the past. But, you know, how how you how you just keep beating yourself up. Why did I do that? You know what? Yeah. You know, and yeah. And this book, that book, particular one thing I learned out of it is, you know what? Why do we do that? It's over. It's done. It's forgotten about. Why am I still punishing myself yeah. for this particular whatever? So anyways, you know, it goes back to what I said. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know. And I don't come across as, as a know-it-all, as far as I know, to anybody. I'm open to new ideas. What's the title of that book? Uh, it's called, I'm going to grab it now, it's called The Four Agreements, and it's not very long. It's. Uh, I found out a couple of other musicians have read it. I know Dean Castronovo's read it, and Paul Shortino has read it. I've, I've messaged those guys, because they're very positive and upbeat kind of guys. And uh, yeah. I've read it twice, actually. It's by a guy called... Don Miguel Ruiz, and uh, it's a it's called a Toltec Wisdom Book, a practical guide to personal freedom. And I'm I'm not one of those guys that'll sit there and read self help books and and how to succeed books. I, I'm not really that kind of guy. But, uh, but it, I forget who was talking about this. Uh, Stephen Adler was talking about that book actually on a podcast I was listening to, and I'm like, you know what? It helped him. What do I got to lose? And I read it and it blew my mind. So where do you go to find a treasure trove of information about vintage drums, custom drums, and legendary drummers? NotSoModernDrummer.com Since 1988, Not So Modern Drummer is an institution dedicated to researching and documenting the history of modern drums, the art of drum building, and the legendary drummers who play them. The writers and contributors are some of the top vintage and custom drum experts from around the world. Not So Modern Drummer serves as an online gathering place and marketplace for the worldwide community of drummers who buy and sell, collect, preserve, and play these instruments. It also hosts drum-related events that are attended by drummers from all over the world. This website is easy and fun to explore, and the monthly digital magazine subscription is free. So check out NotSoModernDrummer.com.
One of the things that you do a great job at is you've got a really nice website laid out that is has a bunch of information that that depending on what the the person is interested in if it's somebody that has hey man you got to check out rob mount i I don't know who this guy is oh well go to robmount.com oh okay cool (laughs) then you have links to your youtube page you've got recordings you've got so if somebody's looking to hire you for a gig or a session boom there's all the information there and it's on their phone and it's instantaneous you Mm -hmm. you also do a great job keeping things current with uh, your camera, the film, and stuff like that, and with with blog entries, something Thanks. something uh, you've realized the importance of this stuff, and and oh, yeah. now that we have the technology to do that easily, um, tell me more about that. Like when when did that when did you realize how important that stuff was? Well. It really hit me when I actually got the gig with Lou. And, you know, I I decided at that point, you know, who's going to know who I am? You know, not many people at that point, and and even to this point, most people have no idea who I am. Um, But I just decided, you know, I, I want to get my name out there, not so much because I'm trying to you know, I mean, I know my place in the band. I'm Lou's drummer. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not trying to be the star. I'm not to, trying to pretend it's my gig. I know my place, and that's that. I just figured, you know, well, who's going to know anything about me if I don't put it out there? Because I don't have the money to go blow on a publicist to do it for me. You know what I mean? And because we have everything at our fingertips these days, um, it didn't take a whole lot to get a website started. And... Right. uh you know, so I just, I, you know, uh, I got with a lady who, who did websites as, as a side business, you know, in her free time, she did other computer stuff, but she, uh, set me up. I set her all the materials. I started once I paid her and, and she decided she was getting out of the business. I figured out how to update and, and change out pictures and put in podcast links and put up this stuff. I just figured it out myself, yeah. trial and error. And, um, you know, so as far as the website goes, I realized really quick, you know, that's something I needed because, face it, if somebody did want to find out about me, you know, where are they going to go other than a Facebook page? And, you know, Facebook in our age, I think, is still kind of popular. But for the younger kids, Facebook is old news. They're on yeah. Instagram and a million other things. Right. Right. And so I started setting up those accounts as well. And, you know, as I went out, and I'm still learning with that. I still don't have that down. Some of these people have like three, 3,000 followers, and everything they do, they get, you know, a million hits. And I'm still <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that one out as yeah, I go along. You and me both. But, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I tell you, uh, one of the best things I did uh, that, that gives me a lot of content, as you've noticed, is I... As of the last couple of years, I went out. I went out and bought a Zoom camera. Yes, um, you know the, the bunch of other mag- uh, uh, other artists. You know, um, use it. It's a it's a the Zoom Q2N, and I tell you, the picture quality and the video quality is phenomenal. Although sometimes when you put it up on social media, it compresses the heck out of it, and you kind of lose some of the clarity. But my videos that I look at, anyways, you know, they come out really good. And ever since I was a kid way back to the first jam session I ever had, I, I've always recorded myself, at least at that point with my boom box. Right. Um, and I've got so many tapes, which I thankfully have 
transferred over to CD because tapes don't last forever. But uh, I've got so many videos. I've probably got 100 videos and tapes and everything I've done over the last maybe 30 years. And my my point to do that was archiving, of course, but you also learn from that kind of stuff. And I'm, I, you know, my ego isn't big enough where I don't think I can get, be- I can't get better. You know, I, I watch every show, maybe not all of it, but I go back and I'm like, you know, that kind of sucked or that was kind of cool, you know, and you don't, when you're playing a gig, you kind of are in a different headspace. You're in a different moment. Your adrenaline's rushing. And sometimes things at that point, you may say, oh, that sucked. But you go back and watch it with a clear head two days later, and you're like, well, it wasn't that bad. That was actually kind of cool. You know, you yeah, yeah. you don't you can't go by when you're in the moment. You have to, you know, go back with a fresh mind a day or two later, and you learn from your mistakes, and you change things. Or you say, hey, that worked. I think I'll keep. I'll keep right, doing it. So, right, right. so you know, and a lot of people are like, I don't need to watch that stuff. I don't need to listen to that stuff. But in reality, they're just they're they're chicken to face the music. You know, people people to me that have always said I don't need to listen to that or I don't need to watch that are the people that are are too scared to face the truth. You know, yeah, so, man, I don't know anybody. That, I, I I've known people say I don't. I'm afraid to listen to that. Uh, but man, yeah. I, I it I've heard it so many times. Like man, record yourself, record yourself. And I go through these periods of time when I will record myself a bit. And and the the ability to record yourself, video or audio is so much easier these days. There's no excuse not to do it. And it doesn't cost anything. You don't have to go buy tapes anymore. Right. You know, <laughs> what does it cost? Yeah, exactly. You, re- you you buy the camera, and it's a file that you can delete yeah. or erase. You know, I mean, come on. You go buy the camera. They're not that expensive. And and it's free from there, really. And right. in addition to having things in a tool to learn from, mm-hmm. getting kind of back to the original point of your question, one mm-hmm. of the things I started doing, and everybody does it, there's a million guys filming their drum sets and their solos and their songs and their practices and putting it up on social media. And I'm like, well, you know, you have to be your own PR guy. You have to show what you mm-hmm. can do. You never know who's going to watch something and in yes. the back of their brain like it or, or whatever. Yes. yes. And you got yourself, in addition to a learning tool, you've got yourself plenty of subjects to put up on your social media to help boost yourself. Right. Yeah, but as far as going back to the learning thing, uh, you're right, man. I mean, there's so many things that are... Even just just audio sometimes, and I think the one of the advantages that I found in recording uh, strictly audio, and I, I use this Tascam DR40 to record. Uh, I'm using it right now to record our, our uh, conversation, and uh, I can run a line, and I use uh, in ears a lot with different gigs, and it's really easy for me to run the line out. A lot of us use uh, a two three a two four channel mixer. If you're running tracks, click, different things like that. Uh, and you run that line out, and you, and generally you've got a pretty good mix. It's almost like your own board mix that goes into some sort of digital recorder that are it's very uh, reasonable and affordable. The advantage of that yeah. is that I can put it in my car and listen to it as, you know, as I'm driving around and can critique. And then, you know, I'm not recording a cassette, so you can just then I can delete the file and I can do another one, especially if it's a regular gig. But that, that, like you said, brings two things to the surface. The mistakes that you make, the things that you can tighten up, 
And it reveals maybe the one bit of inspiration that you discovered that day on the gig and said, oh, that was badass. I got to, I got to straighten that out and do that again. And that sounded great. Uh, yep. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that stuff is so, so great. But going back to the Zoom, I, I just have to say, after listening to your interview on Drummers I Like, you talked a lot about that. And I'm like, I, I, I was borrowing a, um, oh, what's a, a GoPro from uh, uh, Mike Jackson, uh, our, our tech guy here uh, on the podcast uh, for a long time. But it's not mine. It's his. So he took it back. <laughs> he needed it back. And, and I thought, I need to get something. So the Zoom recorder yeah. is next on my list. Um, and just to uh, really quickly say that you, you mentioned that their customer service was uh, incredible. So that sold, yes. that sold it for me. I got to go out and, and get that and have that um, available for whatever uh, I'm doing. And that's just lots of great points, man, not only as an educational tool, but as a promoting tool. Yeah, it can't really be without it. I might even buy another one. I actually had uh, a friend of mine, uh, J.C. Clifford, who uh, yeah. was one of my uh, endorsers. He, he does drum tax, which is right. – oh, I was going to mention my endorsements later, but I'll just mention him now because I was talking to him today. And um, he was tell- – I was asking him, you know, kind of along what we were just talking about. How do I get more interest? How do I get more followers? How do yeah. I mm-hmm. do this, that, and the other thing? And the kids these days that are – the age of my kids know this stuff way better than I do, but he was telling me, well, one of the, one of the other things, you know, is, is multi-camera videos hold people's attention longer. And I could see that because we're in such yes. a, uh, uh, the days of, of short attention spans and somebody looking at the same camera angle, even for 20 seconds might be too long for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. Yeah. I might get another one. I don't know. I'm debating. You know, it, it might be worth it, which means more time editing, more time, you know, on the computer. But hey, anything that helps you along is is a worthwhile investment. But yeah, Zoom. I, I tell you, man, there's a lot of good stuff out there. But when I had a problem with my camera, they got me a new camera within a week of me sending in the other one. And you know, good customer service is you know the best word of mouth, man. I tell you, so they they really did me well. So. Well, yeah, you spoke highly of it, and, and that's great advice from J.C. Early in this podcast, I had a chance to meet uh, J.C., and and uh, it, it's, been, it's been a minute since we've spoken, uh, but uh, I, I saw that you, you guys were connected, and, and it reminded me, it's like, I need to give him a shout. Uh, while great guy. Yeah, he really is, and, and we spent some time, a handful of conversations uh, getting some guidance from him, I, I did the same thing as you did, but regarding the podcast, said, "Hey, man, mm-hmm. I, you know, I need some direction on what you know." He was one of a handful of people that I re- reached out to, and I think that that kind of reinforces your point. Is a lot of times you need to find people to um, jumpstart the different parts of your career or help you. So you, you talked about having like a tech guru for your website to get you started. Uh, you sought the help out to accomplish what you wanted to accomplish. Um, you reached out to JC uh, about some things, knowing where his expertise lies. And I think that's really important is not being afraid to surround yourself 
with maybe people yeah. that are experts in in very specific things or uh, or or even uh, mentors that help guide us to uh, the things that we need to accomplish and and you just it's the information is there there's no reason not to to seek it out and and the drumming community yeah. is so freaking awesome you can ask and 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 you're going to get the answer <laughs> Uh, uh, while we're on JC, I know he he, he does drum techs. It's one of your one of your endorsements. Uh, you also yeah. uh, uh, JH Audio, Regal Tip. Yeah, they're my in ears. Yeah, JH Audio. Mm-hmm. I've been using their in ears for about a year now. I, I was I started out just you know, I mean I was always a monitor guy. I never I always liked the live sound of drums, you know. And mm-hmm. but you know the whole the whole Lou Camp and that. It's like well we're using in ears, and I, I have to you know I use a click on stage, so I. You have to use in ears. You can't have a click blasting through your monitors. So that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the universe would hear it. But uh, um, so I tried earbuds for a while, and they just didn't cut. I was like, well, I'm not going to spend all this money right away. I'm going to ease my way into it. And uh, but, anyways, long story short, um, I, I got into the JH Audio Roxanne's, and they're great. They sound amazing, and those guys have great customer service too. And, um, you know, they do a lot of big names, uh, you know, for, for in ears. So they make great stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's one of, one of my other endorsements. One of your other, and then another regal tip is, uh, yeah. Regal tip sticks. Yep. I, yeah. I heard you use the two BX. I use the five BX. And I I love that. It's, it's that just that little bit longer, you know, feel, um, well, that and the bead is a little more robust on the X's instead of a little bit more teardroppy on the normal two B's for okay. me. You know, I wanted a, a beefier tip. Yeah. Um, so I kind of went. I kind of went with those, and uh, they're they're only an hour west of me because I'm in Rochester, New York, and they're in Buffalo, so they're right on the right on the doorstep of me. And you know, a family-owned business, and yeah. you know, they make great stuff. And you know, I, I, I love the drumsticks. So there you go. They, they've been around for a minute, for sure. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> and then the other ones you have is K breaks, or K is it K breaks or KB? Yeah, it's K breaks. Um, I I got in touch with uh, Wes who um owns that company and and it's uh they make different products that prevent your kick drum or certain stands from sliding around um on the stage and especially you know you can you can use uh the ones for their bass drum uh without even needing a carpet you know if you, if you don't have a carpet or whatever reason you might not have a carpet and uh yeah their stuff works quite well you know i i put uh uh they have a, a thing that could that, they can go under each leg of your your snare stand, for instance, or your hi hat stand. Yeah, yeah. Anything that that moves, which <laughs> we all know things move. So right, right, exactly. I I met those guys a couple years ago at Nam, and um, I just, I wish I had a set for every backline kit or every house <laughs> kit that I come across. It's, it's sometimes it's the kick drum, but uh, for me it's the hi hat stand. I don't know what what my problem is, but that must be. Uh, yeah, no. That, uh, yeah. Anybody else uh, we failed to mention in that camp? No, that's that's it for yeah. official endorsements gotcha. at this point. So, gotcha. yeah, thanks for asking, though. Yeah. You're from Rochester, New York, originally. Yeah, yeah, same uh, same area, same city. Lou's from most of the band lives here, okay. so yeah, okay. from Rochester. Yep. Uh, you uh, did some studying at Eastman School of Music. 
when you were in high mm-hmm. sc- when you were in high school that was amazing uh, I've heard of Eastman uh, throughout my life I had some uh, professors in, in college who studied at Eastman uh, who were incredible musicians uh, and that must have been just uh, an awesome experience uh, as a high schooler or as somebody young uh, to, to work there. <laughs> Uh, and then yeah. you went to uh, Nazareth College, where you were a, a music ed major, and uh, right. it sounds like that gave you a, a well-rounded uh, uh, experience uh, with you know different types of different instruments and all those things, which, as we know, only helps our approach. You know, being able to yeah, play I mean, the- different instruments. Yeah, I mean, especially as a drummer, because a lot of us, as we know, the old drummer jokes, people don't take the drummer too seriously, you know, yeah, and, uh, yeah. you know, I've, I've played guitar starting in my teenage years, too, and, and there was actually a point where I played more guitar than drums for a few years, and then I would go out of a guitar solo or a guitar uh, lesson and go into the next door over in the same school and, and take my drum lesson, and, um, you know, it's just, it's it's invaluable stuff, because the more you can re- relate to your other bandmates and, and, and offer, you know, a, in, input on a song or an arrangement or, or whatever, you know, it makes you, makes you more valuable instead of just the guy that sits back there and, and beats on things. And, uh, I always had a good ear for music. I, I don't have perfect pitch, but you know, in any band I've ever been in, you know, there's been times when I'd be showing the guitar player the guitar part because he, he was doing it wrong, or I'd be the guy telling him he's out of tune, and he yeah, doesn't even know yeah. he's out of tune. You know, and they just look at me like, uh, but you're just the drummer, and I'd be sitting there going, well, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> so. here, let me show you. Here, let me show you what just the drummer can do. Right. <laughs> um, is there... In the in the timeline of of your time and and leading up to the 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 work that you're doing now, the work that you're going to be doing in the future, um, you've obviously you've reached a level of professional professionalism, proficiency, musicality, all those things over time that that it just. It's just exponential. It, it just takes experience, but it also takes something that a lot of people refer to as paying their dues. In your time, yeah. um, let's just use Lou Graham's gig as a as a as a as a flagpole here. Um, leading up to that gig around two thousand nine, is there anything that? you can look back to and said, yeah, I was paying my dues when I was doing that for sure. I learned so much on that gig. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Well, if, if you're talking about anything I've done in general or that particular gig that I first filled in for Lou or are we talking well, in general about anything? I think anything that maybe was um, just shed some light on like when you got through with a, a record project or, or maybe a, a tour or or working with a particular group and said, yeah, that was that took me to the next level. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say anything I've done has led me to be better at the next thing that came along, you know, when, when you're younger, you always get this gung ho bravado of knowing it all. Like I mentioned before. Uh Uh And, and then as you go on, you, it might take a learning experience of somebody saying, uh, no, don't play that. Or, you know, you, you, you get shot down sometimes and, and you could even be put in your place and you could either sit there and go, well, F you, I'm, I'm Rob Mount, or you could sit there and go, 
well, maybe he's right, and uh, maybe I did you know, play the overplay here, or maybe I played the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't really think of any specific incredible thing that was a, a, a learning experience that didn't stand out from anything else. I, I would say as I got older, the best thing, I can tell you the best thing I've learned, and I don't think I had too much of a problem with this anyways, but the best thing I've learned that I apply to playing with Lou Graham at this point is playing for the song. You know, mm-hmm. that's the best thing. If I had to give, you know, like I could give lots of different things, but one of the best pieces of advice is you have to learn how to play to the song. Okay. My gig, I grew up playing Rush just like you did. Okay. Mm-hmm. But me throwing in, uh, you know, a, a solo that Neil Perp put in the middle of 2112 isn't going to work. And, you know, I've been waiting for a girl like you, you know, it's just, I can't, you know, I do it. I would do it once and that would be the last time I ever did it That's because right, I wouldn't yeah. have a gig. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, you, I, I don't like to be pigeonholed into people thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm playing up to the best of my abilities in, in Lou Graham's band, but in a way I am because mm-hmm. I'm playing for the song. I'm playing, right. you know, what needs to be done. I'm not trying to show off. It's not my gig. It's Lou Graham's gig. I'm just his drummer. And we, as the musicians in this situation, when you're a hired gun, unless you're told otherwise, your job is to make the artist shine and faithfully reproduce those records like the people in the audience Mm-hmm. learned and, mm-hmm. and love that's your job and yeah. it's the best thing i could tell anybody the biggest thing i've learned play for the song you know i could throw off a million ch- chops uh, you know but, but why you know i get a solo yeah, anyway so right. i get to do it there yeah but that's it so yeah and i've told this story before where uh, a bunch of us uh, i used to work at columbus pro percussion in ohio uh, and, uh, you know, we're all standing around talking about all the songs that we had to learn for our gigs or, you know, very, oh, I got to learn three, three new songs for this. Oh, I got to learn five new songs. And, uh, Jim Rupp, the owner comes around, great, great drummer. He's, he says, guys, learning new songs is easy. Playing the same song over and over, but with the, the energy and and a uh, that connects to the the audience, that's the challenge. And he turned around. Absolutely. And, yeah, he turned around and walked away, and we're just going, "Oh shit, he's right, <laughs> he's right." And and, yeah. I, and I think about that a lot, you know, especially when I when I listen to bands that I've listened to for years or that have been around, and, and I'm a huge fan of, um, I'm, I'm a huge huge fan of of. Uh, the bands from the 1970s and and so i think about a lot of them that are still out doing it still out touring and or performing and they're playing songs that they've been playing for close to 40 years or more how do you yep. do that you know how do you i mean they're not playing it every single day but and i imagine that uh, when you're on tour with an artist you're going to play jukebox hero you're going to play all these songs that that lou is known for what's your what's is there anything i I'm, i know you recognize that the importance of that so i don't even know how if there yeah. is a question in what i'm saying but no, I get what you're saying, because I look at it this way. Point number one, you never know who's out there watching and listening to you. 
So, first of all, most most of the people that are out there probably never seen or heard you play, right? So, yeah, you know that's that's number one, and you never know who's out there. You might a guy that may call you in two years that loved your drumming that night may offer you a gig in two years' time because he thought you were cool, but you didn't know that guy was out there at the time. So. Number one, you don't know who's out there watching you. Number two, I hate to say it, but we're all getting old, and you don't know when your last show is. I mean, mm-hmm. I could drop dead tomorrow. You know, who, <laughs> I hope not, but I you don't. Not, you don't yeah. know. And um, look at look at Seb Hashian, the drummer for Boston, who died a year ago on the cruise on the drum stool. You you, you didn't know. Look at Tom Petty; he was on stage, you know, a couple of days before he died. You. You don't know when your last show is. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you could sit there. You could sit there and go, well, it could get stale playing the same set list over and over again. I don't look at it that way. We do pretty much stick to the same set list. I know there's bands that do change it up just to keep it interesting for themselves, and that's fine. But, you know, I'm not in charge of that department. So, my job is to go out and just have fun. And I do. I mean, anybody who knows me, and if you watch any of my YouTube videos, um, I don't take things too seriously. I, I like to have a good time and, you know, I'll be up there playing along and, you know, our bass player AD or our guitar player, Mike will be throwing picks at me in the middle of a song or, mm-hmm. you know, just some a whole bunch of goofy stuff happens. And I love it. You know, you can, I have a bloopers reel on my YouTube page. It's just like four minutes long. of just dumb shit that's happened that I've caught with my camera. And it's hilarious. Now, some of it maybe wasn't funny at the time it happened. Like, I'll tell you one thing that happened that isn't on the bloopers reel that'll be on the next one is our jukebox that we bring, which is the original foreigner jukebox from the 80s. (laughs) We we bring that on our drive shows uh, when we drive to a show instead of fly. And it was set up too close to the drum riser. And so when jukebox hero starts going and I'm just going, hitting, you know, quarter notes on the kick drum, you know, I'm looking out at the audience, I'm raising my hands, clapping along, trying to get the audience to clap. And all of a sudden, you know, I hear a crash on stage. And I'm I'm turning to, you know, my left, turning to my right. What the hell was that? I'm looking at everybody. You know, it scared the hell out of me. I don't know how I, I, don't know how I kept going. I turn around, and my back crash symbol on my right side by my floor toms is now on the floor because the jukebox took it out when it inflated oh and went gosh. up in the air. Oh <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, hey, the show goes on, the song goes on, I started laughing, you know, and, and it'll be on bloopers reel number two because, right. yeah, you're out, it's fun. Hey, I tell you what, for those of us, who, you know, I'll give you – Here's, 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 the, here's the root of it all. I'm not a guy that had any sort of real success when I was a young kid. I've had to work day jobs my entire life. And when you finally get to some sort of success or at some point in your career, having done what I did, you know, work day jobs, raised, raised a couple of kids, you know, had a, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of marriages or whatever, you you value it more when it finally comes to you, A, because I'm older, but B, because I know what it's like to go out there and, and do whatever, you know, drive a truck or, right. or, or dig a ditch or, right. or whatever anybody does. Right. So what am I going to do? I'm not going to complain. I'm up there having fun drumming. I don't care if I've played Jukebox Hero a hundred times. Yeah. I could be freezing my ass off, you know, driving a snowplow truck or something, you know? Yeah. So. yeah. Dude, I mean, having that perspective is so important. Because we, I think we all have these preconceived notions of what working as a musician is, and it is some of the hardest work you will ever do. 
physically, mentally, and it's it it is. But it's so the rewards are so great, and you get to do what yeah. you love. Um, yep. There are challenges that that go along, but I mean, uh, it's 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 amazing. And if you're able to participate in any fashion, full time, part time, uh, at your church, in your basement, man. That's I think whatever it, it is. Yeah, your life is better off for. That's I'm trying to pass that on to my kids. I mean, I don't. I, they have no interest in being uh, uh, professional musicians, but I, I'm, <laughs> I, which I'm kind of glad about. But at the same time, we've got drums and guitars and keyboards all around the house because I want them to experience the joy that music brings to their life. And that's yeah, kinda, and, and, and yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. I was going to yeah. say, my kids the same way. I tried, my kids had a, a drum set in their basement to play along with, and my oldest son played for a while. He was in the high school band, but now he's starting to become successful as an electronic, you know, these guys that create beats with their friends on their computers. And he was just telling me last night, that Spotify wants to start playing some of some of his and his buddies' music. And, and it's nothing I like. It's not my type of music, but I, I appreciate what he's doing, you know, mm-hmm. and you can't force... You can't force your kids to to be you, you know, and a lot of parents do that. You know, I grew up playing baseball, so you're going to be a baseball player. No, man, you can't live your life through your kids. And and, on another note, I will say this is everybody or most people have a talent, you know, whether it's music or sports or, or whatever it is. And you see this a lot where people in this society, we're pressured to get a job, have a family, you know, have your 2.5 kids, um, you know, it's okay to have your hobby, you know, but that's all it is. It's just a hobby. You're expected to pay the bills and, and do everything that quote unquote, a real person or a good provider or whatever does. But if you really had a talent for whatever it is you have a talent for, and you threw it away to live up to society's expectations of what is supposed to be good and what you're supposed to do and what's supposed to be respectful, in my opinion, you wasted your life. And and some people and most people probably won't. Thank you. But most people don't agree with that because, you know, you're deemed selfish if you're if you're pursuing your goals and your passion. Mm-hmm. You're 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 looked down at. And I look at it this way: when whenever you die, and whatever anybody believes, you know, you go up to the pearly gates, and if you believe St. Peter's there waiting with his checklist on your entire life, or whoever it is that meets you when you die, you know, he's going to say, "What did you do with your life?" Mm-hmm. And you're going to sit there and go, well, "Did you did you?" utilize the gift you were given, whatever that talent was, or did you shove it aside because it wasn't the right thing to do? You were just a regular guy and you did what everybody said you're supposed Mm -hmm. to do. You know, I mean, you got that choice. And to me, it's a waste of time being here if you're not utilizing whatever your talent is. So I I, I totally agree. And and I think that uh, one of the things that we tell people is, well, how how do you balance, you know, working as a, as a musician and and raising a family? And and my wife works for a nonprofit here in town. I mean, she's she's helping, def, spending a lot of time helping those in need here in Nashville, which I'm very proud of. Uh, but again, it these are not careers that make a lot of money for either of us. But what it what it does is it shows our kids that. 
passion for what you do is important and follow your passion and it becomes a way of life that it, it, it creates a quality of life that cannot be purchased. It, it, you cannot yeah. equate that live, to I just saw a quote that said, it's funny you say that, it says, live, your, live a life, something like this, I'm paraphrasing, live mm-hmm. a life that you don't need a vacation from, you right. know, and, and I can't really... How can you beat that? I mean, so many of us, you know, you get up, you work your day job, you're tired, you burn out. All you want to do is come home, stare at the TV, have a beer, smoke a joint. You know, you go to bed, you get all, you know, you're all tired and you're cranky. You get up the next day and you, you know, you do the same thing over and over again. Next thing you know, 20 years have passed by. Yeah, and yeah. to me, that's not living. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm not telling anybody to shark your family responsibilities. No, no. Don't. I'm yeah. not telling people to blow everybody off for your own selfish reasons. Yeah. But... You know, and I think I even said it might have been in the, the, the Drummers I Like podcast. I don't remember, but I know I've said in one recent one is, you know, when you're younger and you're, you know, you're just starting out, yeah. you might want to try and think down the road. Maybe you don't want to have kids or get married for a while. You know you did, what I mean? You did because mention those that, are, that. Those are really important points. Yeah. Yeah, because nothing wrong with getting married, nothing wrong with having kids. But if you're serious about whatever your passion is, those unfortunately can be obstacles to getting to where you want to be because you have other responsibilities now and you have other obligations and other people looking for a piece of your time. And it's going to slow you down if you're headstrong about a goal that you have. So I don't want to you know, take everybody off that's listening to me thinking, be selfish, be selfish, be selfish. That's not what I'm saying, but, you know, you just have to utilize and take advantage of what you've been given and, and, and do your best with it and still be a good person, you know? Right. (laughs) Well, and I think it's important to, you, you specifically said that you were talking about a a touring musician. I, I remember that. And, and, and you, and I think that's a really important point is that, um, if you want to be a touring musician, the strain on relationships and being a parent is, is, is a big part of it. Um, is one of the reasons why I left my touring gig, um, about a year ago was for that very reason. It was getting to the point where I was not home very much and I was missing so much. Uh, But there are other aspects of music that you can get involved in and still maintain. And and a lot of times it it depends on your uh, community and the city you live in and other things like that. But uh, there, there are ways to maintain uh, and grow your talent and uh, maintain a, a playing career uh, while, because I, I have to admit, man, I wanted it all, man. I, I always wanted kids. I always wanted to have a family. I wanted some sort of domestic uh, lifestyle, but I, you know, drums and music just was, it just pulled me in that direction as well and it's like how can i do both and for yeah. me for me personally nashville was the answer from columbus to nashville they 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 had something there that that loaned themselves so my my question to you uh, coming up was there was there uh, any incentive to go to another town to seek out a music career for you well, I think about it every day, to be honest with you, because, you know, I, I'm i here in upstate New York, and the music scene in upstate New York, while there's a lot of great musicians here and a lot of great ones have come out of Rochester, like Steve Gadd and Lou Graham and Chuck Manjone, and there's actually a long list of, of great musicians that are from Rochester, but 
Rochester is not a place. I mean, I, I could be a, I could, I'm not saying I am, but it could be a big fish, but it's in a very small pond. So, um, I've thought about it and I've discussed with my wife about possibly doing that, you know, maybe, maybe moving to Nashville or Vegas or something like that. Um, you try and take advantage of, which may sound bad. I'm not trying to sound like I'm trying to take advantage of anything, but in a way, take advantage of the, the position I have now yeah. before it's too late, mm-hmm. you know, and, and go somewhere, um, you know, just to be around a bigger community where, you know, you might uh, meet other people and do other projects. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen if I stay here. Well, I, I mean, it could, but chances, if you're in the middle of wherever you are, that's, it's not Nashville or Vegas or LA, you know, all you have is a computer and that's about it. And that's, I do as much as I can on social media mm-hmm. from a computer, whether it's my drum videos or, or whatever it is, but nothing substitutes for being there, meeting people, yes. networking with people yes. and, and, you know, nothing beats that. So to I, answer your question, yeah, I thought about it. <laughs> uh, but uh, you, you've, you've come across a, a super uh, amazing point that, that, uh, that I wasn't anticipating is that a lot of times I think that we, I mean, our world has become smaller because of, uh, because of the things that we can do through our computer. But there is no substitute for that personal interaction. Uh, when I was coming up, you, you had my friends who were already in Nashville said, you have to come down. Like, you're not going to get a gig from from Columbus to here. You have to be present. You you must be present to win. And, and I, I think that that is less applicable in many ways. I mean, we hear stories about people who got gigs because of their YouTube videos or they were recommended and maybe they still live. Um, you know, even that Johnny Rabb interview, he's in Indianapolis. You know, he's back where he needs to be. And he's not in Nashville right. anymore. But, you know, he's got that gig. So it... it, it it is less applicable, but if 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 somebody's deciding on using a, a a couple different drummers and there's somebody that they've met and somebody they haven't met, they're, they're going to go with the person they know because of all the other things sure. we've, we've already discussed. The importance that go of of uh, all the elements that are that go beyond your abilities. Um, Absolutely. If if you just know somebody because you're Facebook friends or you've chatted with them or te- even texting with somebody, okay, mm-hmm. I could sit there and name you 20 guys that I text with fairly regularly just to stay in touch with them. And most of them I've met, but some of them I haven't. I've just gotten a contact through maybe whoever or whatever. But it's the guys I've actually sat down and had a beer with or played a show with or whatever that you really form a yeah. bond. Yeah. And, and yeah. those are the guys, like you just said, that when they're looking for a drummer, yeah, they might say, that guy's cool. I see his drumming uh, videos on Facebook or whatever. He's, he's great. But then, well, this guy over here, he's really cool, too. And I kind of, I've hung with him, and so I know he's a cool dude. Well, that's that's the guy that's getting the gig, not, not the other guy, as cool as that other dude might be, you know. And why shoot yourself in the foot? Um, it's just another way of getting a gig. You know, me staying here in Rochester, in a way, is more shooting myself in the foot than if I make an effort to move somewhere where there's more of a society to, 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 you know, get introduced to and meet through common people. I mean, it's just common sense. And I'll never forget, way back um, in the early 90s, we had a couple of music conferences here in Rochester, and one of the guests that was uh, speaking and that I actually got to talk to was, was Tony Bon Jovi, who was John's cousin, 
who ran the power station, I think was the, uh, the, the studio back in, in New York City at the time. And I never forget what he told me. He goes, you have to move there. He goes, you can't stay here. You have to move there. And he goes, you have to be in Manhattan. You can't even be across the river in New Jersey. You have to be in Manhattan. He goes, it ain't going to happen any other way. And I'll never forget that. Never forget I had a guitar, yeah. had a guitar player. I said, "I'm moving to Nashville." Guitar player in Columbus. He goes, "Yeah, go." And if you need to come back, we'll be here for you, man. We're not going anywhere. That's awesome. He said, "You go." I was like, "That's awesome." That's all I needed to hear. Um, on your time off, if or when you have time to sit down behind the kit, what are you doing, man? <laughs> well. Uh, I do a few things, um, especially on, you know, like when we have winter breaks where we're off for a couple of months or so, especially, um, I like to do a couple of things. Number one, I play the, play through our set every once in a while. Yeah, so sure. I keep up with it because, you know, as many times as you play, I, you know, it uh, feels like the first time, you know, it, it, you can forget the first time if you don't play it two months, you know, <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. And it will be like the first time if you don't keep up on it. So, <laughs> that's true. So I try to, I try to go through the set and and uh, keep my chops up with that, and stay in conditioning because it's physical, right? And if you just, right. you know, and you never play, you never play in practice. You don't play how you play live. It's just the adrenaline, and everything isn't there. But I try to play as hard as I do live. I try to go through a drum solo. I try to, you know play through the whole thing so next time we go out i don't suck so that's mm-hmm. that's the first mm-hmm. thing i do um secondly i like to have a few goals um of things i might want to learn like i remember recently there was three things i wanted to learn in my time off um number one was <laughs> believe it or not i always played it the wrong way and most guys do but you know, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover by Steve Gadd. That's one of the coolest drum beats, totally. you know, that has ever been recorded. And I always played it how I heard it, but, you know, of course I was wrong, and, and probably most who try to play it, you know, until you see him play it or go on YouTube, which is how I learned it, I just sat down and, like, I just want to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember sitting down for a half hour, 45 minutes, without stopping, once I got the hang of it, and I just kept doing it over and over and over and over and over again, and, uh, you know, not that it's ever going to sound like Steve Gadd playing it, because I'm not Steve Gadd, that's for, for sure, but I can play it the right way now, you know. Yeah. So, you know, just having different goals like that, there's there's other things that I, you know, you'd set down, there's a couple of drum licks that I wanted to learn, you know, I would sit down and learn that. But, you know, I hear a lot of guys say, you know, you need to do this when you practice, or you need to do that. And I think, you know, everybody should take everybody else's advice with a grain of salt, because... You know, some guys sit there, well, I got to sit down, I got to play a half hour, and you have to, it has to be structured. Well, guess what? That ain't going to happen every day because some days you're going to be on your game and some days you're going to suck. And if you're going to go up and practice and force yourself and it just isn't happening or you're not coming up with anything, I, I quit. I mean, what's the point of forcing something? You're just going to probably hurt yourself more than you're going to help yourself. And I don't think it's a good idea to sit there and make yourself suffer for 45 minutes because you feel that that's what you got to do. I would rather go downstairs if I have five or 10 minutes and I'm inspired and go down and, and do that, than sit there for a half hour and go through a, a you know, freaking uh, stick control book just because I got to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't have to do anything, you know? And I think it's so important 
the, the, the last thing is to just sit down at the drum set or whatever instrument you play and just play whatever comes into your head, mm, you know, whatever nice. it is. You yeah. might get you might get inspired. Maybe you changed out the, the snare drum, and instead of using the deep dead one, you pick up a piccolo, and that might inspire you to come up with something cool. Right. Or, you know what inspires me sometimes is I'll change the grip. I'll go from match grip, and I'll, I'll go to traditional grip, which I find I play a little more finesse with the traditional grip and not quite as loud, mm-hmm. and that might inspire me to, to come up with something cool. Whatever, you know, so much... When you're playing, the last thing you want to do, especially in your gig, is think about what you're doing. You need to be able to just do something without without fucking it up by thinking about it. You know what I mean? Right. Pardon my French, but yeah. you know right. what I mean? The, the yeah. last thing you can do, in a lot of cases, the worst thing you do is think about what you're doing. You need to be able to, to let it flow. So I like to just sit down sometimes and play whatever comes into my brain. And it is what it is, you know. Not that you could do that all the time. You have to have some structure and you have to learn some stuff. I mean, you can't just sit there and wank off all day and think you're coming, you know, think you're getting anywhere. But the last thing I would say is record your practices, mm. too. I always have, as I record all my gigs, I always have my phone. I don't have my Zoom line around when I practice, but I always have my phone right there. And if I come across something that's cool, because I forget everything because I'm old, <laughs> I, I record it, you know? I record it. Hey, but you remembered your there phone. You, you remember to bring... You you found, You found. knew where your phone was, so you're not that old, first of all. You know? <laughs> You, you know yeah. how you know how to use technology, so the, the, I'm I'm, I'm kind of unraveling your your insult to yourself here. Um, no, I know that that those are great ideas, and I, and I love that you know it's like let's take this thing, and your example is fifty ways. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that until I get that together, and just to have those little those points in which this is going to be my goal. And I'm, I'm uh, you mentioned uh, you got the Steve Smith book. His recent one, yeah. I picked that that up as well, and that was my goal that year: is to get through that book and to commit to it. I uh, and and it was so great, and it, and I felt like a kid again when you first get stick control or you first get, um, you know, Afro Cuban styles for drum set, and it's like it opens your world, and it's and you 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 kind of reach that next, even if. It, you know, even if you feel like you're at a plateau in your playing or in your life, it's like having those little goals and, and then reaching those goals and accomplishing that is, I think, is so important. Keeps you interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think that's what drives us and, and, and know, you know, that's why we're, we always want to do it, you know. Well, <laughs> well I, one other thing I yeah. it popped into my head, too. Is and I heard I think it was Joe Satriani. I, I I heard him talk on some podcast, and he brought up a great point I never thought about, but it applies to anybody. Practice the right stuff, though. You know what I mean? Let's. You don't want to sit there and, and learn something that you'll never utilize in a band situation either. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could mm-hmm. sit there and I, I don't care if I could do double paradiddles with my toes. You know what I mean? That's great. And it may be good for a freak show video on YouTube, but am I ever going to use that in, in Lou Graham's gig? No, I'm never. Why would you spend so much time working on something that's completely useless in the real world? I'm not, I'm not saying don't do exercise and get your chops up, but I'm just saying make sure when you practice, it's, it's practical stuff, too, because you want to spend your time wisely. Exactly. Uh, there is a, uh, a, 
that a drummer, and I'm going to find his name, and I'm going to announce it in the in the post reel of this. Uh, but he and he had a, a great book. But one of the things that he stresses is that in a video uh, is don't practice being a good practice or practice being a good performer. And, and exactly. It, 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 a perfect example of that was he goes when I'm in the practice room, I practice counting off songs. Uh, you know, not all the time, but I, but it, that blew my mind because there have been times that I'll count off a song and I'm like, oh, that's not the right tempo or I'm not giving this convincing count off that is setting yeah. the band up to start that song with the, yep. the, the with its greatest strength. But that's something we don't do. That's something we don't do. Well, you know. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, that's it. You know, it's perfect. That's a that's a great example. Mm-hmm. Everybody concentrates on the playing part. Well, guess what? As the drummer, counting off is part of your, part of the gig too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, it's so right. My, my my current goal is to get better at playing trash can endings. I'm the wor- I'm the worst man. I, I I never know what to play there at the end. I, uh, Sean Pelton has some great ideas that I feel like I can latch on to, where he, you know, plays almost like a groove type fill over the end of while the band is kind of ending. But you know, I I hear these incredible players do this trash can ending with the with these just great stuff around the kid. And 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 like you said, something that you did caught Lou's attention at the end of a song. And uh, so I'm like, I that's a and, and that's something I, I never spent time at. And it's like, eh, that's on the gig, man. That's on the gig. Um, well, I tell you what, in my case, sorry to interrupt, yeah. Mike, real quick. Mike, I don't get to, you know, like I said, I'm playing for the song. I'm not throwing stuff in the songs. But other than my solo spot that I get, that's the only other time where I can let it rip for 10 seconds is throwing a couple cool little whatever's at the end of a, you know, not every song, because that gets old really quick, but some of the songs, you know, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Pick my spots. Right, right. Uh, one of the last things I wanted to ask you is, um, how, how do you take care of yourself? Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a lot more than I do that I could be doing, but when when I got the the gig with Lou, I um I I used it as inspiration to get myself in better shape and 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 you know, I actually lost 30 pounds um from when he offered me the gig, you know, throughout that first year and and I I said to myself Self, <laughs> I you know I don't want to be I don't want to be sitting on the drum set back there drumming for Lou Graham and look like a you know a big you know load back there on the drum set. Not that I was really big, but you know a little bit of a gut. You know you get to be your late forties and you're married and you know you just you know I didn't have at that point a, a, a definite reason. To 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 really lose weight or get myself into to, to excellent shape. Not that I am now, but I'm a lot better than I was. So, so I, I I said, you know what, self, you you need to lose some weight. So, I stopped drinking pop. I stopped eating junk for the most part. I started walking, and to this day, I mean, yeah, sometimes do I sit there and I'll have a milkshake, yeah, once in a while, but. Um, you know, when we get to be up there, and I, I don't have any bones about telling anybody, I just turned 50 about a month ago, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it, we're not getting any younger, so the easier 
and the better sh- the better shape you are in, the easier it is to to drum and, and to just move on with your day to day stuff. You know, yes. I mean, with so many people out there eating junk food, and the obesity rate is is just so high mm-hmm. among Americans because the first thing you do is you walk in a store and there's a big rack of ho hos and ring dings, and and people are drinking big gulps and eating McDonald's. And I told myself, no, you know, not that I ever really did, but so that long. When did answer your question? The first thing I did was I said, I'm cutting out all this crap, mm-hmm. and I lost weight. I started walking, and, um, you know, the results were pretty quick. I didn't go to a gym and put myself on a treadmill or a weight program, mm-hmm. which wouldn't last 10 minutes with me because I'm not interested in that, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so that's it. Whenever we go out on the road, you know, to a city, me and our guitar player, Mike, me and him will say, you ready to go take a walk? And off we go. Yeah. Last thing I do is want to sit in a hotel room. Yeah. We go for a walk wherever we are. Nice. Go explore the city. Go explore the area. I walk with my dad when I'm home all the time. Walk with my dad almost, you know, maybe three, four times a week. That's great. And that's about it, you know. And, and before a gig, you know, I try to loosen up and, and, and run through some, you know, paradiddles and triplets and get my feet going before a gig and, you know, get myself in the right frame of mind and, and stretch out and try not to drink anything before I go right on. Cause I always have to go to the bathroom cause I drink water all the time. I'm like a, I'm like a fish. And, um, that's one of the ways I lost weight. So all I drink is coffee in the morning, but water the rest of the day, but make sure to pee all the time. So the last thing I'm do for a gig is drink a lot of water. So I cut myself off right, about an hour right, before. Right, There's a lot of joy that I, I get from you. It just it comes through when you're playing, and I, I'm so glad you reached out to us. And uh, it's it's been good to get to know you more. It's good to yeah. hear your story, and and uh, best of luck this year. And uh, and anything that you decide uh, to do or where to go, and uh, I hope you'll keep in touch with us for sure. Absolutely, man. It was uh, it was awesome to uh, you know to get to. Uh, to I mean, I, I you know I try to listen to a lot of different things, and I came across your podcast, and you know it's like the email I sent. You know, I like there's a lot of stuff I liked, and and uh, you know wanted to share that, and um, you know, and it, it's always my pleasure to you know to 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 come and talk to people that I would want to talk to, not just because, well, it's a good thing to do in the music business, but I, you know, you guys were cool. I really liked the interviews you did. I liked how you guys would ask a question and just sit back and let the person answer because I've heard a lot of podcasts on various subjects where the interview just wants to hear himself talk and he interrupts the guy every five seconds and you guys didn't do that. And uh, so I really appreciate you guys having me on and anytime you want to chat some more just stay in touch or you want me back on at some point you know i'm you know phone call or a text away so absolutely thank you i love it man rob thank you so much for your time it's it's been a pleasure dude all right matt thank you very much and uh we'll talk to you soon hopefully take care all right see you man bye-bye okay So there you go. There's my conversation with Rob. I want to thank him for the time that he gave us. And uh, he's been really busy doing a bunch of different podcasts and interviews, including uh, one with a podcast, Drummers I Like. I encourage you all to go over and check those guys out and uh, listen to their conversation with Rob. It was really great. Uh, Rob also did uh, another podcast, and it's on his website, 
where he it's a guitar focused podcast uh, so I encourage you to check that out and and while you're there while you're on his website robmount.com you can see kind of what we were talking about in uh, just what Rob does with creating and ma- maintaining a strong online presence and um, it, it's really important. I think that there's a, a – Rob and I are, are from a similar generation, and it's just interesting to see that here's somebody that's really in tune with what's necessary to promote yourself and and just maintain this online presence that I think a lot of people in his age bracket may not be as aware of uh, its its weight and importance. So Rob does an excellent job with that. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's episode. Uh, Many thanks to Mike Jackson for his technical assistance and helping keeping this podcast rocking online and otherwise. Quick reminder, patreon.com slash working drummer is a place where you can help support what we do here at the podcast. Also, find us on workingdrummer.net and you can see where we have t-shirts available. Those are just $10 a piece with graphics on the front and the back. Cool colors, cool new design as of last year. So check those out, workingdrummer.net. And thank you all so much for listening and I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.